When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. back to the Love Tennis Podcast with me, James Gray of inews.co.uk and the iNewspaper. I've got George Belshaw, the tennis writer, uh, with me as well today. Uh, I've also got quite a noisy bit of traffic outside, so I apologise in advance for that. Uh, this is quite a kind of rare and special occasion uh, on which I'm more hungover than George, uh, which, as I say, is almost never happens. So um, we'll see how this podlet goes. Uh, we'll do our best to make it through without vomiting or anything else particularly unpleasant um george let's start with what happened yesterday uh cameron norrie won the first set but then was downed by Novak Djokovic in four pretty weird to say for a four set match but i thought it was pretty one-sided yeah i mean Djokovic got out the traps a little bit slowly but then it kind of went how i was expecting that match to do you know Novak just does things that norrie does slightly better mm. in many ways and you know as we always say if you've got a matchup with two guys who play exactly the same way the guy who's got slightly slightly more about him you know Djokovic has got that little bit more on serve he's a slightly better mover he's got a bit more behind his shots a bit more variety um it was kind of only ever going to go one way I, I really to be honest, I thought Djokovic would win in straight sets. Um, I suppose he kind of did after the first one in terms of that's how I saw the match going, like lots of twos and threes where Djokovic just assumed control. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, Norrie's had a great tournament. He's done really well. You know, I think the one criticism we've had of Norrie over the last couple of years is not kind of making that breakthrough in a slam. Um, being perfectly honest, it, it was a bit of a gift of a draw. Um, you know, losing guys like Kirkats. I'd picked Grigor Dimitrov in fantasy tennis and he was due to meet him third round. So I thought that was going to be a really interesting match. Um, but at the end of the day, you've got to come through 
the draws. You've got to be the one who kind of owns it. He was always the favourite in pretty much every match he went into. Mm. Um, and that brings its own kind of pressure, particularly for someone like Cam Norrie, who it's still probably quite new, him feeling like I'm the big favourite for this match rather than a guy who's going to stick it out there, give my all and kind of upset the odds. So, yeah, I think only credit to him this tournament. And as he said afterwards, you know, this has given him kind of further belief he can actually go and win one of these things, which, you know, I think we'd all say two, three years ago, it would be crazy, but it feels more of a possibility now. Yeah, and you talk about the pressure of being favourite, and that was something... he He's been asked a lot over the last month about pressure, and he got a bit bored of being asked about the pressure of being British number one at Wimbledon, and he kind of said, look, I, I don't think there is any, and I'm just going to get on with it. And he did say, and as you say, he had a relatively easy draw. He only played one seeded player, Tommy Paul, who was the number 30 seed. Um, and he did say afterwards, I went out there and there was a lot of pressure on me to win. You know, I had to win. Um, so to come out and serve sets, serve out matches, have the nerve to do that, have the level of focus, it was a lot of fun doing that. Um, there, there was a moment when he, he won the first point of the match uh, and there was obviously a big cheer and then there was a quite loud murmuring. And I think almost everyone said the exact same thing, which was, he couldn't, could he? And then he broke first game and, I mean... It's not been that loud with the roof open because it's louder when the roof is closed. It's not been that loud with the roof open for a long, long time. And he turned around and gave it a massive fist pump, like, you know, the big tiger kind of low punch um, to to his box. And he was broken back immediately, but he did win that first set. And he... Someone said to me, oh, Cam's playing really well, isn't he? I was like, well, Cam's just doing what he does. Like... He gets a lot of balls. He puts the ball in play. He hit a decent length. Um, I didn't think he hit much with much venom. Djokovic just played really poorly for about 35 minutes. And then he put a cap on and started playing really well. Um, like, it just kind of... It, it's just what Cam's going to do when he's in these big matchups. Quite funny you mentioned the, the crowd a bit there because... Djokovic, some of the best matches I've seen with Djokovic involved at Wimbledon the last couple of years um, have been against Brits because they, re- you know, they vociferously get behind them, and then Djokovic, he he plays up to it, doesn't he? I mean, he, he's yeah. blowing kisses at them. It really kind of puts some some fuel in his fire, if you like. Um, so I, yeah, I think you know people always like to make more of that than it is, but is that your peril to start? jeering Djokovic and getting oh. in his head because more often than not it's going to end badly for the guy you want to win. Well, I feel like Novak Djokovic has a deceptively bad record playing in Serbia. Like I feel like you expect him to be virtually perfect in Belgrade and he's actually had some quite bad results there. Now it's also like partly to do with the time of season that he tends to play there but it's like genuinely not his best like best event by any stretch of the imagination. Um and as you say, I think it's because he really enjoys getting fired up by being the underdog. Yeah. And like, you know, this is probably a bit of a reductive example because there's probably a lot more going on then. But I always think with like the US Open final last year, you know, it felt for the first time in the match he was starting to get a foothold. He broke Medvedev back and you're thinking, oh God, Medvedev's going to be so nervy here. And the crowd was suddenly so behind Djokovic. It, 
just found it too much. He was like overwhelmed, kind of sat there in tears, like, oh, I'm just not used to this almost. And, you know, it is always far too reductive to say crowds hate Djokovic because that's not true. I think there's always been a great respect for what he is. Mm. Um, and he is quite popular or has been before last year in Australia, for example. But, mm. you know, in Wimbledon, this is a Roger crowd, isn't it? It's a Murray mm. crowd. Yeah. And whenever there's a Brit against him, it's always turned uh, quite clearly in their favour and to the point of kind of goading Novak. And you'll be shocked to hear it's rarely ever ended well for any of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it really hasn't. Um, Djokovic afterwards, it was a long press conference because it was also his pre-final press conference. So he talked about everything and anything. Um, you might be interested to hear that he was asked about this um, <clears throat> sort of straw that his physio keeps giving him, which he seems to sort of inhale and then drink. It's all very weird. Um, Mike Dixon. Any guesses? Well, I think it's probably... Non-libelous like, ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's probably some sort of ground-up root. You know, it'll be loads... Of, like, this is Djokovic we're talking about. Like, it's not protein powder. Like, it'll be <clears throat> various different natural ingredients ground up together that sort of give him a boost, you know. Like those ginger and turmeric shots that you get in fitness places. Uh, His answer to the question, incidentally, was magic potion. And then he said, that's all I can say. It helps. You'll find out soon. I can't speak about it now. You'll find out soon, which I thought was very weird. Um, Maybe reveal after the final sort of thing. Well, I think it's more like a pretty good way to deflect. Like, Mm. if you just keep saying, oh, I'll tell you soon, it's quite hard to sort of keep asking. I mean... The the only other thing I've I was wondering if it might be um, that's not a libelous thing is um, you remember Andrescu used to come out with that jar and kind of have you ever seen her do that? No. So she kind of would get a jar and kind of sniff the jar, <laughs> and they're kind of quite similar vibes her and Novak in right. in many ways in terms of kind of. The looking after your body the spiritually etc and yoga mm. and quite often a thing in kind of yoga practice is like to do with like smells right. and like stuff that then focuses you on something okay. so I, I was wondering if there's some sort of kind of sensual element to what right. it is where it's actually trying to get him into a right mindset it's um, got a very specific that's quite a common technique sort of thing yeah mm. i see okay interesting um let us know uh, at love tennis pod on twitter or love tennis pod at gmail.com uh, what you think Novak Djokovic is taking mid-match. And like I say, um, we'll read it out as long as it doesn't actually break the law, um, which I appreciate lots of people's theories about this do. Um, there's no suggestion that Novak Djokovic has ever taken anything that uh, would break the rules. <laughs> we, we, we've we never had that. Um, let's move on before we get ourselves in trouble. Uh, the One of the other big four was big news yesterday. Uh, Rafa Nadal should have been playing and he wasn't. As I said on uh, previous podlet, he withdrew through an injury. George, go on. You're very pleased about this. <laughs> well, you're not pleased about it, but you're pleased. I'm not you- pleased about it. Yeah, I mean, I just, as I said the other day, I did kind of feel it was far more likely for him to just lob in the towel in between matches than during one. I know he was down practicing that Thursday, wasn't he? He was trying to serve and stuff. Um, but, you know, I, he doesn't want to be going out against... Kyrgios wounded, he knows that is going to be a tough match where they're both always up for it and it's very kind of intense and as he said, there's no way he felt he could get through 
two matches and knowing the guy beyond Kyrgios, which in itself would be an intense, passionate match, is then Novak Djokovic, which would be an even more intense and passionate match. So, yeah, I think it's a shame. I mean, I don't, I, I'm not saying I thought he would do the calendar Grand Slam, but it is, it is just a bit of a shame that it's ended like this. It mm. would have been nice to see him get a crack at it on his own terms without his body kind of getting in the way. Um, mm. It doesn't sound like it's going to be that serious long run i'm not worried about him for the us open per se but you know he he's at an age now where these niggles will happen and think there will be little tears and it will be tougher to maintain his body he's had the foot trouble this year as well um it's a sign of aging in a late sportsman's life when you're playing to the intensity that he is so a shame but you've got to say what a remarkable season he's had and this takes nothing away from it at all it's just bit of a shame for the fans more than anything who had tickets for what should have been probably the best Wimbledon semi-final lineup I can remember in about five years or so. Mm. And they did offer that full refund if you applied before midnight the night before. Um, I did ask the All England Club how many people took uh, up that refund. They refused to tell me. Um, <laughs> they, they said, oh, Had you not- heard anyone do it? No, I, I, to be honest, everyone I knew had tickets stuck with it because... I think once you've made the plans, you've already spent the money, you know. Yeah. It, it's a nice day out do? still, isn't it? Yeah, and, and they've put the women's doubles semi-finals on before and after. Yeah. And, you know, I think we always underestimate, you know, there are lots of tennis fans who would have been like, well, I'm only getting one match and that's not fair. But there are lots of people who go to Wimbledon who aren't tennis fans and they're just going for the day out and, you know, to watch some decent tennis and have a few pims. And, you know, to be honest... All right, it wasn't the longest match in the world, but four hours of tennis is probably more than enough for most people. You know, if you've got a four-hour match, you know, who wants to sit through two four-hour tennis matches in a day? That's a lot. I mean, you know, I was at Anderson Isner. I've I've been there, man. You, I've seen it. I've seen. I've never the seen you more scarred than that day. <laughs> it was honestly. I mean, I was more hungover than I was today, which didn't help. But um, yeah, I I genuinely have like World War Two flashbacks about that day. Um, I'm not saying that this would have been that day because Kyrgios has never played a five-hour match in his life. But um, it it could have been a long day, and it turned into a long day anyway. Um, yeah, great shame to see Rafa out, and uh, we hope he'll be back for the US Open. He is optimistic he'll be back for the US Open, so we'll see. He's going to take a full week off tennis, and then come back, and then four weeks off serving. But obviously that may change. George, you look like you're about to say something. Yeah, I was just to say, what's your view on how beneficial that is for Kyrgios from a nerves and a kind of physical perspective i mean i guess i think it's terrible i think the only thing that is good for Kyrgios from that is that he's through to the final like but in terms of the different manners of win he could have got this is apart from like tearing his hamstring hitting an ace to win the match this is the worst possible way for him to go to a final like he said in pray did a press conference yesterday and he said um he said, I slept for an hour last night. I slept so bad because I was already nervous. Um, and I think he will get really bloody nervous. And I think playing a match is the only thing that would have helped with that. Um, he was really nervous against Garen, like in the quarterfinal. The final is going to be 800 times that. Um, you know, he said, oh, I'm going to take every positive. I'm going to get my rest and rest my body a little bit. It's not bad going in there fresh. But 
you can tell that he knows this is bad as well. Like, there's no way a bloke with as many demons as he has wants to sit around for three days thinking about a final. I, ju- I think it's dreadful. I don't know if you agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I do I do slightly agree. I mean, it's interesting, the, the kind of sleep line. I watched his conference back yesterday, actually, just because I heard it was quite interesting. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that you almost want to have your bad night's sleep tonight sorry last night rather than the night before so then you're making up for it you're so tired the night before the final you kind of catch up it, it's, it seems like he might be in a bit of danger of having slept really well last night uh, because of the previous bad night's sleep and then being that little bit more restless the night before but yeah I mean, I mean look you have to you do have to say there's a massive upshot physically for him this is a guy whose body has notoriously not been able to go through multiple multiple matches so I think you know a couple of days rest from that perspective, has to be viewed as a good thing. Um, but the, I mean, the bigger problem is the bloke who's on the other side of the net has been there and done it so many times before. He knows exactly how he's preparing. And Kirill said that, you know, he said, "This is all totally new for me, and I know Novak, Rafa, these guys, they can draw on that experience, and that's so helpful. They know what it takes to win these titles." Mm. But yeah. I, I can't wait though, you know, on the plus side. I, I can't remember being so excited for a I know people will kind of say, yeah, the animosity's died down now and there's this new kind of bromance and respect or whatever. Um, but there's been a lot of water under the bridge this last five years. And, you know, the two previous matches, okay, they were in Djokovic's worst period of his career, but they were, they were feisty affairs. You know, mm. there will be a lot of angst. Nick will he'll be bloody up for it and he'll get in Djokovic's head and Djokovic will be up for it and he'll, who knows, who, who, who do you see the crown being on the side of? I, can't, I, can't, I physically can't decide that one. I James. think it'll be 50-50. Um, I think that Kyrgios won't be nearly as badly behaved as you think he will because he respects Djokovic and I think when you look at the matches where he goes the most mental uh, when he doesn't care about the opponent, so Sitsipas he already has no respect for and so he went mental. But, like, he quite likes Brandon Nakashima. He quite likes Christian Garin. And so he was pretty restrained in those matches. I just think... I, I genuinely think it's it's not calculated. But I do think that he is able to rein it in if he's good, if the guy on the other side of the net, he's like, oh, I actually don't want to ruin your day. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, it helps when he's winning, I suppose, in mm. a lot of these matches. I know Nakashima was fairly tight but you still felt Nick was kind of in control or I did anyway um, mm. today uh, yeah I, I kind of agree I'm not expecting like a mega mega meltdown but I, I think it will be a bit of a cauldron in there and be like quite tense and explosive and you know that they're both play, they're both emotional guys and they both play yeah. up to it when it gets kind of fever pitch inside mm. there you know Jokovic loves a roar he loves ear to the crowd and stuff and yeah, I just hope Nick turns up and plays close to the standard he can because that will guarantee it's a fantastic match because yeah. they're both brilliant players. But Nick is the one who could let the side down in that sense, to be <laughs> yeah. honest. Yeah, he could bottle it. Um, let's move on to the other final. It's the women's final um, very shortly, so it may already have happened by the time you hear this, but um, we're going to talk about it anyway. Uh, Ons Jabur up against Elena Rybakina. Uh, I want to touch first upon the people who won't be there because... Um, <laughs> Ons Jabur's family well her parents at least won't be there 
um, because they can't get a visa, which, I mean, I appreciate it's by no means the worst thing this government's done, and you work for them, George, so you're not allowed to comment, I'm sure. But um, it's absolutely disgraceful that the Home Office haven't intervened or that, you know, they haven't said the Tunisian ambassador can make them diplomats for a day or something. I mean, how Samira and Rida and, and yeah, her sister Yasmin are going to be watching from home is just, oh, I think it's disgraceful. Yeah, I mean, it's a great shame for her, isn't it? Although she's not short of Tunisian fans. When I was down <laughs> no. there on Thursday, it was, it was really nice, actually. I've, I've not really seen that that much before. I'm sure other players do do it, and it's probably more the fact that I just haven't been outside there watching that closely but i was up in the media bar just mm. hanging out when she was doing a lot of her broadcast press and there really was like a good gathering of tunisians and and she went down after a broadcast press where she's you know has no obligation to do that wouldn't be the way she was going and she sat down there kind of signing everything photos with everyone everyone i saw they got a signature or a picture which was really nice um mm. so yeah i it's a shame, but I don't think she'll be short of support. You know, she's a very, very popular player, um, both in and out of the locker room. Um, I think it'd be a great match. I was, I really enjoyed watching these two kind of up close on Saturday. I've seen them before in flashes, but as you well know, James, it's, it can be quite rare to sit around and watch whole matches when you're at these tournaments, mm. particularly for players who aren't going really deep all the time as these two didn't really in my career you know I saw more of Jabor in my kind of final year at Wimbledon because she had some good matches with Muguruza etc mm. so kind of catching her for long periods live where you just can enjoy sitting out on court um I hadn't seen enough of Rubakina in the flesh I've seen her on television a lot and I was so impressed I thought she played a really great match against Halep the length of her shots was brilliant you know things you see on TV you know she hits a big ball but it was it was relentless. Yeah. Um, I don't even think Halep, you know, Halep's serve was very nervy, but I think on the ground, she played fine, Halep. It was just too much. It was like really, really impressive. And, you know, the Jabour match was kind of a complete contrast to mm. that match in the sense that there was very little power on display. She looked quite nervous. She couldn't really hit through her forehand, Jabour. Um, but the slicing and dicing between her and Tatiana Maria was a fascinating watch of itself. It was kind of crafty tennis versus let's twat the hell out of it. Later More on. slices than a Domino's wedding. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was crazy. Uh, how do you see this matchup going? I mean, it is a complete contrast of styles. I mean, Rebecca does hit a drop shot. Funny enough, I bumped into my new neighbours uh, on centre court, which is very embarrassing because I didn't recognise them um, because I have only met them once for 20 seconds. Uh, so that was awkward. Um, but once I got past that, I said, oh, are you enjoying it? And it was between the two matches. They said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, funny match that, wasn't it? Oh, they were like, oh, yeah, so many drop shots, so much slicing. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, you won't get much of that with Rabakina and Halep. And second point of the match, Rabakina plays a drop shot. Um, which, in fairness, she did used to play a lot. And she now plays a bit less. Um, but, yeah, George, the, the match-up between two very different players, I mean, how does that resolve itself? Uh, I think if they both play how they did on Thursday, it was Thursday, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, if they play how they both did on Thursday, Rybakina will win comfortably. Like Jabor was nowhere near at best, and you know, there's the, the kind of age-old cliche: has she been tested? Like mm. the, play, the rankings of players on Jabor's played in this tournament. I think is it only Mertens who's even close to being a seed? She's seeded, I think, but. Um, 
the rest of them, it's been a hell of a nice draw. You know, mm. kind of Buzkova and Tatiana Mario as your quarterfinals and semifinals. You you would snap someone's hand off for that. Mm. Um, and she looked very nervous to me at times. There were bits of the match where she just just couldn't hit anything other than a, a slice forehand. And that was fine against Tatiana Mario because balls dropping on the service line weren't going to be put away. If you do that to Elena Robakina, she doesn't need it to land nicely on the service line. You can stick it on the baseline. She'll still smash a winner past you from deep. So you do not want to be giving her short balls that sit up. Right. Um, so I, I'd be very worried for her. But that said, Jabor's got a lot more about her game. I understood why she played like that to such an extent against Maria. Um, but it, it is hard to adapt between these opponents. Um, I think, you know, by contrast... I don't see Ribakina doing much different. You know, she'll want to take the match out of Jabor's hands, serve big. She's got a huge serve, great serve. Um, keep on top, keep hitting relentlessly, force her back. Yeah, I, I fancy Ribakina, to be honest, um, from what I saw, um, which in itself will cause an interesting storyline, I'm sure, if that, that turns out to be true. I mean, either way, it's an interesting storyline in terms of the first... Arabic woman to win a title versus someone who was born in Moscow in a tournament where Russians are banned. Um, so yeah, it's... just um, to, to sort of fill people in on Elena Rabakina's story. She was born in Moscow. She wasn't very good. She was a decent junior, um, but, you know, she, she wasn't brilliant. Uh, she turned 18. She was still 500 in the world. You know, that put her like Russian number 25 or something. She wasn't going to get any funding from the Federation. Um, her father was courting U.S. colleges. She had, I think, about 15 offers from U.S. colleges. And she said, no, I want to keep playing. And he said, OK, well, we'll give it a go. But he doesn't have a lot of money. And um, the Kazakh Federation turned up with a massive check and said, yeah. would you like to play for Kazakhstan? Um, Which is a common theme. Well, yeah, Alexander Bublik, <laughs> Mikhail Kukushkin, Yulia Putin-Saver, there are others. Um, and she said yes and you know I find it hard to criticise her for doing that um, we would probably all do the same uh, in that situation she has been pretty successful she's played at the Olympics for Kazakhstan she's played in the Fed Cup or now the King Cup um, yeah she's she's flown um, it was awkward though she was asked about where because she, she still lives in Moscow as far as anyone knows and so she was asked about this um on well, when was it Thursday I suppose someone said so hang on let's just make it clear do you live in Moscow or not and she said I think I'm based on the tour because I'm traveling every week I think I spend most of my time on the tour I practice in Slovakia between tournaments I had camps in Dubai so I don't live anywhere to be honest so you don't spend much time in Russia and she said no I mean fair play like well she can't possibly she can't possibly say anything else but like she wouldn't be being so evasive if she didn't live in Russia. Like if she, if she had a flat in you know Berlin, she could just say no, I live in Berlin. But yeah, I think it's obvious. It, it does mean that ten percent or whatever income taxes in Russia of her prize money is going to go directly to Vladimir Putin. Well, not directly, but you know, which is uncomfortable. Um, but that's kind of just where we are, and that's one of the weird things about nationality. But yes, it'll be an interesting story, and interesting to see how everyone reacts to it. Who are you picking then? 
Well, I would like to say differently from you, just for the sake of you know having different opinions. But I'm with you. I, I I've been really impressed by Rebecca, kind of all the way through the tournament. I've seen bits and pieces of most of her matches just by coincidence, really. Um, I think the Tom Janovic match, she kind of showed a bit of vulnerability. You know, she lost the first set. She did look a bit nervy. Tom Janovic was able to stay with her. Um, and served very well and you know she came through that but she's beaten some good players when you actually look yeah. at who she's played Bianca Andreescu Zhen Xin Wen who's a very good player an unseeded but a very good player Petra Martic another good one Tom Janovic again a real good Wimbledon experience and then Simona Halep she, she's beaten so many good players she's played so well she's hitting it so big and she's bloody fearless like yeah. she's not going to get nervous like Jabour will yeah I mean, she was the sole reason I didn't pick on Drescu and Fantasy. The fact they had to play second round because I know how good Rybakina can be. Mm. Um, you know, it's interesting because I think just before the pandemic, she was playing some really amazing stuff and was, and you know, she's seventeenth seed here, so it's not like she's been playing bad stuff since. But it felt like this rise was really, really coming, and it somewhat halted a little bit since. Mm. Um, but she, she's got a brilliant game i mean honestly this this is someone who can properly mix it right at the top for years to come she's only 23 there's not many better ball strikers that i've seen on the wta tour um i would highly recommend going to catch her live at some point it's fearless deep heavy consistent hitting um you know the type you sort of associate with someone like Osaka. Um, mm. when she's kind of in her pomp but um, you can see the kind of comparisons with Sharapova a little bit um, in terms of you know very tall leggy um, you know obviously Sharapova had problems with her shoulders later in the career and stuff that kind of made her lose some of that power but a lot of you know really good lengthy ball striking um, yeah so I think she, I think she's a great player and yeah it'd be a shame if if she does win it that it gets marred in kind of other more political things because I think that this is someone who can join that bracket of top five players and be a consistent threat at these majors and yeah like it'd be interesting to see her against Fiontech at like the US Open or something you know be a good match mm. um, she is not one of the players you can play as on match point tennis championships but you can now buy tennis match point tennis championships from game it's out now it came out earlier this week George and I have obviously had the pleasure of playing a preview version of it, um, getting to know the game a bit uh, and really enjoying it. We we wouldn't, as I say, we wouldn't do these ads if we didn't actually enjoy it. We, we have been given stuff before and tried it and said, no, we don't like this, so we're not going to do an ad for it. Um, yeah, we're massive fans of the game. It really is a proper tennis video game. I think there are, like, I've seen reviews of it from other places that aren't so glowing, but I, I would recommend giving it a go yourself. It... Um, it's, it really does feel like a proper tennis sim rather than just a kind of pick up and play. Uh, it's on PC, PlayStation 4 and 5 and Xbox. I believe it's also on Xbox Game Pass, so you should be able to get it through that. Um, there's 26 different stadiums, 65 different tournaments, uh, 16 licensed players. And if you buy the uh, Legends edition, you also get Tommy Haas and Tim Henman. 
um, which uh, is also available as DLC, uh, I believe, from the digital version. So um, get that from game now. It's out. It's been out for two days. You're already missing out. Uh, and once Wimbledon is done, I promise I will stick my Xbox handle on Twitter and people can send me angry voice messages after I tan them love and one. <laughs> um, very finally, George, uh, in case I don't speak to you before the final, what the men's final, that is, what's your prediction? Um, I think Djokovic will probably win. Um I don't know. Kyrgios is always one of those players, isn't he? Where if he if he serves well, it's a, it's a coin flip of a match. Um, if he keeps his head, it's a coin flip of a match. If he's in the right space where he's motivated, getting wound up for the right reasons, and channeling it into his tennis, he can win the match. Uh, but Novak's just he's there all the time. I, I do think I do think the thing that makes me a little bit hesitant to be outright, yeah, Novak's definitely going to win is. There have just been a few more chinks in the armour this year when I've seen him. Um, just the odd moment where he doesn't seem quite as engaged as we're kind of used to him being. I was really, you know, we've spoken time and time again against how disappointed we were in that kind of Nadal match at the French Open about how disengaged he seemed in many ways, which is something you really wouldn't have been able to level at him last year. So, yeah, it, I'm I'm just really excited for it to be honest because I think it should be a great match. It's two guys who've got very different styles, as we always say. Styles make matches. It's the pro- probably the best server in the game at the minute. You know, given Isner's kind of slightly over the hill versus the best returner of all time, and you know that in itself is intriguing tennis. Stylistically, Djokovic will upset you patiently. Kyrgios will upset you quickly because he plays with such weird rhythm so can Djokovic actually impose himself on the match engage Kyrgios in the longer rallies or will he get frustrated that Kyrgios won't let him kind of try and dictate play um so yeah I think it's a really interesting match I'll probably say Djokovic in four um Kyrgios maybe picking up the second set in a tie break or something but mm. Novak probably being a little bit too strong otherwise uh, how about you I'm gonna reserve my prediction for closer to the time because I know I get to do one more podcast definitely before I'll probably I probably will come on all right, great. Or James, um, it's a super news. Will. Uh, you yeah, might be it depends what time today. you're planning on doing it. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I'm having a very quiet weekend after last weekend's 30 extravaganza. So okay. I, I'm going to Brighton on Sunday night for the Women's Euros. So oh, great. Uh, that'd yeah. be a really good game. Um, England, yeah. Norway, is that right? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, terrific. Yeah. I'm staying down there for a couple of days. So. Excellent. A I'll rare appearance chilled. of football on the podcast that isn't just Calvin complaining about Man United. Um, that is all we've got time for today uh, enjoy the women's final um, I'll be there George will be watching at home um, and we'll catch you next time Sports Social Podcast Network It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.